We are not professional athletes. We are not brain surgeons. We're not rocket scientists, and we are not rock stars. We are not nuclear physicists, and we're not investment experts. We're definitely not financial advisors. We're just two dudes talking crypto on episode number 90 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? This is Chris J. Snook, Executive Chairman at the World Tokenomic Forum, and you are listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast by Joe Com and Travis Wright. I'm a huge fan, boys. Stay bad. And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We are the two dudes. I'm Joel Com. He's Travis Wright. Hello, dude Travis. I'm dude number two. Du- duty? Dude? Dude? You, you dude? You, you dude, dude the number I'm two? I'm the dude who does number two. Duty. <laughs> we are duty. Thirteen year olds. You're twelve. I'm twelve. You're I told 12. You I'm thirteen. That. I'm right. your elder. Respect your elder. Get off my lawn with your twelve year oldness. That's why we're the crypto medians because we are eternal teenagers and we are addicted to crypto. Might as well face it. Uh, once you go bad, you're never sad. You're mostly glad. True. In, unless the crypto dips, and then you're p- pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know who's finally not quite as upset as he was is Abasa Phillips because he has this workaround for the Zilla app. I think that he uh, he actually messaged me that he's rolling it out using like something off of the app store to get it on people's phones. It's called Test Flight, and he sent me um, a link to try it and some instructions for installing it. So this thing is coming, and uh, you guys can learn more about the Zilla app. It's the marketplace app where you can browse ICOs, upvote, downvote, talk about them, and uh, participate where allowed by law with one tab. Tappity tap zla dot io forward slash bad, and that's all the letters that you can handle. And also shout outs to our other sponsor, the folks at Staff Virtual, staffvirtual.com. We're glad to have them here, aren't we, Travis? Yeah, they are are solid. You know, it's one of the biggest problems that I found within the crypto space is that there's it lacks customer support. I mean, have you ever tried to get somebody over on Coinbase to answer one of your freaking emails or somebody on Bittrex or any of those sites? And so that's one of the biggest problems is customer support issues. So if you're a company in the crypto space, the solution is outsourcing because you're scaling so quickly, you have to be able to ramp up. Uh, Staff Virtual has applied its years of expertise in customer support, and they've applied that to the crypto space. So they've been very helpful with a lot of companies now so far in crypto and their their pre-sales, brand awareness, and customer support. So make the most of your ICO launch and your long-term customer support needs by utilizing some uh, some outsourcing there with Staff Virtual for all your crypto needs. You know what, Travis? I think I hear the bad crypto hotline ringing. Bad crypto voicemail. You have one new message. Hey, this is John Fever from Texas. Stay bad, guys. Hey, Travis. Hey, Joel. This is Ryan in Florida. Hey, I had a question for you. I'm I want to try to understand the difference between an actual transaction and a, and a mind block. If I move 
Bitcoin from wallet to wallet, and there's a transfer fee. But there there doesn't necessarily need to be new Bitcoin created. How does that work versus a new block being mined and releasing new coins? That's a little confusing. Anyways, thanks for your help. I know you Google it, so I don't have to. Stay bad. It's true, Ryan. We do Google things, so you don't have to. And that way, you can stay bad. Because, you know, why Google? Google Google is evil anyway. You know, I I use DuckDuckGo quite a little bit. And DuckDuckGo is pretty cool because there's actually a really awesome article that we uh, maybe I'll pull up in here, like why you should use DuckDuckGo. I tweeted it out the other day because they don't track you at all. And if you want to use any of the search engines, you can actually use those within DuckDuckGo. I was gonna, I was gonna actually say, a, you can just be yeah. I was gonna say a joke. Duck, duck, yeah, hold on, yeah. I was gonna say a joke, and then I forgot the joke and went off on the DuckDuckGo thing, and then you were cutting me off with the DuckDuckGo joke on top of my not saying I was gonna say a joke. What you joke? We're joking on top of joking. That was jokeception, and none of that was good. <laughs> it was bad, but that's why people are here because because uh, it's bad. So let's answer Ryan's question then. Yeah, so anytime you are transferring from one wallet to another wallet, there's there's a fee. And uh, there's not any new Bitcoin transferred, but let's say I have that wallet that you're transferring it to and you're transferring it to me. There is a transfer fee because I'm that's a transaction that's going on the blockchain, right? So that's that's pretty much it. It's not that it's creating new coins or releasing new coins. These coins already exist. If I have some Bitcoin and I need to send it to Joel, that coin already exists. Right. But the miner gets the, the fee is still, um, you know, the miners are still pulling Bitcoin out for just their mining mm-hmm. when that transaction takes place. They don't know the difference between a buy and sell on the blockchain and a transfer. It's just a transaction on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. You don't know the difference, Mr. Joel Com. <laughs> I don't. Uh, That's why I'm now, hold on a second, though. Now, let's say, for example, uh, Ryan, you're in Coinbase and you were to transfer from your Bitcoin wallet to your Bitcoin vault or from one of your Bitcoin wallets to another Bitcoin wallet. So I have two Bitcoin wallets inside. Actually, I guess three. I have my regular Bitcoin wallet. Then I have my one that I use that I have my shift card attached to. So if any crypto's in there, I can spin it with my card. And then I have a Bitcoin vault, but I don't have any in that Bitcoin vault. Now, if I was transferring from one of those to another one of those, then there would be no transaction fees and it happens instantaneously because that's internal inside of Coinbase. But if you're sending it, like say, for example, you're sending uh, some Ethereum from one address from Coinbase over to your MyEther wallet, it's a wallet to a wallet. Yeah, there's a fee there because that's a transaction and that transaction has to go into a block. That transaction has to be verified and miners got to get paid. Yeah, the, you know, the blockchain doesn't know which wallets are yours, right? If I'm sending it from mine to Travis or mine to another one of mine, the, blo- the blockchain don't know. Mine, so, mine, mine. So there you go. Uh, we love to hear from you guys, the Bad Crypto Hotline, that number, and you should be able to say it with me. Here we go, 708-885-9030. You could try this at home, it's safe. And we also have the contact form on the website at badcryptopodcast.com and Greg has written to us and says hello joel and travis just a quick hello from myself oh that's pretty friendly uh hi, hi you uh i was introduced to your podcast and i'm a fan i lived in kansas city from college until 2017 and then relocated in brazil uh, for his job uh, i found out about build coin from you guys and that's happening here in sao paulo 
Uh, Brazil is a massive country, but the interest in crypto is increasing every day. The potential to fight corruption is the major opportunity here, I think. A friend of mine is working on a project, conception only right now, for using it to work with carbon credits. It's an exciting space to be in right now. Just wanted to say hello from really down south and to stay bad. Thank you so much for the comment, Greg. And uh, yeah, I live in Kansas City, so I'm, I'm sorry that you moved, but I'm glad you're having a great time down there in Brazil. Yeah, but he escaped. He did escape. I've, I can't seem to get out of here. He got out of there. Uh, well, you know, before we started this show, and I don't mean this episode, before we started this podcast in July, you and I would spend a good deal of time either on Facebook Messenger or on, uh, you know, live video chat talking crypto, right? We would. We were having a lot of fun times about that. First of all, we were commiserating around politics because who wasn't, <laughs> quite frankly? Who still, who still isn't, I mean, right? I mean, you know what? What's so interesting is like before the 2016 election, most people were very sort of complacent about politics. They didn't care at all. Now, everybody has a, a pretty stern opinion about something on one side or the other. And I like the fact that people are more awake within politics. But that's kind of how that happened. You and I were chatting politics. And then, you know, crypto started creeping in. And then I remember a comment that I made to you about uh, once I understood Ethereum and then we found AntShares. Antshares, which became Neo, which was around two dollars at the time, and we were having conversations around that, and and uh, we were just talking all the time about the cryptos. We were having about a fifteen twenty minute conversation multiple times a week. Were we timing those? I don't. I don't, I don't know that we were. I don't know that we were timing them, but it seemed to me that we were having. I mean, they were at least ten fifteen minutes. Sometimes they were really long. So I bet they were because time flies when you're having fun. And so today's feature segment, well, it's just two dudes. Talking crypto. Isn't that what we just do all the time, Travis? Don't we? We're just two dudes talking crypto. Yeah, we're we're, we're crypto dudes. And uh, are you offended by that term at all? By uh, the way, do you mind if I call you a dude? You know what? As long as you don't call me a crypto dick, because that sounds rude, dude. <laughs> dude. 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 What do you, buddy? What do you think of calling? You know, have you ever been uh, in a mixed mixed gender group and it's like people say to women, "Dude, dude," I do that sometimes, dude. Yeah, dude. It's just a term of endearment. So um, this feature is actually a mix of stories and what wherever else we go down this rabbit hole. So we've kind of combined the news with the feature because it's just two dudes talking crypto, right? Two dudes talking crypto. Aren't you glad you're here? You know, I'm glad we didn't name two that. Dudes. I'm glad we didn't name our show that it's two dudes talking crypto. We made for a fun jingle. So um, Bitcoin is, um, it, you know, at least as of this recording, it could change any minute, right? Because that's how it is. But uh, it's up and it's up because there was some news that came out of the White House. The White House Cybersecurity Coordinator and Special Assistant to the President, Rob Joyce, and he spoke at the Munich Security Conference on the 16th of February and said on CNBC, and I quotify, I think we're still absolutely studying and understanding what the good ideas and bad ideas in that space are. And he's referring, of course, to Bitcoin regulation and when it would begin to get underway in the U.S. And he continued by saying, I don't think it's close. That's 
that's good news. It is. It's definitely promising. And he said that, that there's benefits to the Bitcoin concept, digital cash, digital currencies. But at the same time, if you look at the way Bitcoin works, uh, after there is a criminal act that takes place, you can't rewind the clock and take back the currency. So, and he mentions this around about credit cards. So if you have a problem with a credit card, you can go to the credit card company and they can undo that and, and that you can actually get your money back. You cannot do that with Bitcoin. And he says that's a problem. I say that's a feature. Well, in this article that we're looking at on Slash Gear, um, points out that he's not quite in he's not quite correct because bitcoin transactions are tracked they're on the blockchain they're not compl- they're not really anonymous it's it's out there and everybody can see it what he means is you can call your credit card company and they'll undo the purchase but in order to undo a bitcoin transaction the person has you have to go to them and they have to actively send you the money back or, which from a reputable you know um merchant that would happen mm-hmm. Or with the, um, you know, the Dow ICO that happened back in the day, like that thing got a bunch of Ethereum stole from it. And then they actually did that Ethereum hard fork, which created Ethereum Classic and then the Ethereum that we know now. So that was such a big hack that they said, you know what, let's do go back in time and let's unroll this. So that's, I think, pretty much the only time that uh, that that has happened. But that was with Ethereum, not Bitcoin. And you know what? I mean, that's one of those things is that it is decentralized. There is nobody in charge of it. And uh, in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. Uh, it, in some ways, it's not because if you're not secured and you're not completely, you know, wrapped up, uh, so to speak, then uh, people can steal your cryptos, Mr. Joe Com. And speaking of stealing cryptos, this article from Business Insider is talking about how criminals are um, targeting the crypto rich by abducting them and, and holding them for uh, for ransom. And so um, they usually abduct people and then they demand anywhere from a million dollars and up to say, okay, you're my prisoner now and I'll release you and you know won't do whatever if you pay me in Bitcoin, which by the way is one reason that I don't even control my, you know, first of all, I'm not crypto rich, right? I'm pretty new to this. So that's, we are still, that's we not are the still case. crypto noobs for the most part, yeah. But yeah, we are, we're, uh, we're, we're so, but I'm super careful with it in that I don't even want to hold my keys. They're, they're passed on to a trusted third party. Um, so like I couldn't even get everybody, you know, my, my, what little bit of Bitcoin I have, they would be sorely disappointed, um, to, uh, and you know to what, that's get- the worst thing is, is that having a disappointed abductor, <laughs> they're like, yeah, well, we'll take it out on you. And yeah, I don't have a whole lot of crypto yet either. And I don't keep my, my keys. They're in different places as well. And they're actually in different jurisdictions and different places. And, you know, different accounts are in different places. You got to be smart about this. And, um, that's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy thing. I could think that there's going to become a lot more paranoia in the future as these crypto markets gain. You know, we just had a conversation with Ian Bolina and he, he said that he thinks that crypto by the end of the year will be five trillion to ten trillion dollars. He's not a financial advisor either. But I mean, if that happens, I mean that's a 10x to 20x growth. And some of these people are going to get some pretty big fat stacks of cash. And that's gonna that's gonna create some paranoia everywhere you go. You're like, oh my God, is somebody going to try to abduct me? 
I don't know. It's just kind of weird to think about. Well, there's a number of protections this article talks about that some of these crypto rich are, are adopting. Um, I know of at least one that has hired a security team that stays outside their houses to, uh, you know, keep them from being harassed. But another is multi-signature, which requires more than one approval before money is, is transferred. So, um, just handing over a digital key wouldn't uh, wouldn't do the trick that's true um that's a smart so, approach. you know anybody with a lot of crypto is gonna do that sure. and that's gonna be frustrating i think they're better off you know trying to rob somebody at gunpoint for their cash and whatever they have on the street because anybody with a lot of crypto is gonna make it so you know sorry mm-hmm. um you know it's one thing to kidnap somebody and make off with the crypto but if you don't get any is it worth go into prison for life or letting that person go and say, okay, uh, never mind. Yeah. And I, well, just as a, just as an FYI, I have a concealed carry. So good luck. I don't think you'll be going to jail. If you're trying to <laughs> kidnap me, <laughs> you'll be, we'll be going to your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things we talked about really early in our uh, discussions with us two dudes was about EOS. I remember hearing about EOS, which is a blockchain platform, probably back in May or June of last year. And, uh, and a, a contact told me, Hey, this is going to be big. There's a, it's a really unusual ICO. It goes on for a whole year, like 200 million tokens at the initial one and then 2 million tokens a day for a year. And, uh, he said, this is going to be big. Um, and, and I thought, Hmm, a year long. The prices are going to go way down. And I remember, and I've talked about this before, when EOS went down to like 55 cents. And I thought, wow, could it keep going lower? Of course, it's hovering around 9 to $10 as of right now. And I'm thinking, man, I could have cleaned up at 50 cents. Uh, and yeah, the ICO still goes cool. on. Yeah. And- uh, ICO is still going until, was it June, uh-huh. I think? Yeah, and what's interesting about that ICO is that you typically – if because you know it's still going on, they're giving out or they're selling two million uh, EOS every day until June first. And what I've noticed is that typically the price that you get on EOS.io by going through that process is less than what you would get it on markets. In some cases, you know, pretty substantially because it's like how many people are putting in ether that particular day, and they divide it all out, and so. You know, EOS, now there's a, there's a couple of people that I really respect in the crypto space. And one of the smartest people that I've ever met uh, in this space is a dude who's not only talking about blockchains and dApps, but he's talking about multi-chains and side-chains and private-public side-chains and next level two to two years down the road. I think he's about two years ahead of everyone. And he, he, he remains pretty low-key, so I'm not going to call him out. But he said of all the cryptos that he's seen, EOS is the one that has the greatest potential. And, uh, and and if you go through this article, this this article is phenomenal. It just goes in depth, talks about EOS as the best funded blockchain project ever. Uh, it's collected over a billion dollars with their Dutch style ICO that they did. And when in the um, Brock Pierce mentioned, he's the founder of block one, that a thousand dApps are going to launch on the EOS blockchain once it goes live, saying that it's going to be one of the largest software launches in the history of software and uh, that's interesting so to me with eos you know being around five billion in market cap less than ten dollars 
I mean, it looks to me like that thing could still go Lambo Moon. Well, you know, it's a really interesting thing because people at the beginning are like, why do you need to do this for a year? But they're letting the free market. You know, one of the problems with ICOs is that if you don't get in quickly and buy the tokens, then you miss. But by really almost decentralizing the ICO by doing it daily, it it allows the um, the price to be determined by market forces each and every day. Mm-hmm. Kind of regulates uh, the price the way you don't have that big, huge spike and then the big dumps, right? Like a lot of those ICOs, once they come out of the gate, there's going to be a percentage of them who are trying to get their quick gains and then the price comes back down. And uh, this right here has stabilized the price. I mean, this, I mean, we did have a pretty sizable dip whenever this thing happened here in early February, it got down to six bucks. But to me, I was like, oh my God, $6 EO, sign me up. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we've referred to Dan Larimer, um, Stan's son. Stan, of course, was uh, the godfather of a bitch as uh, he was on the show. And we're going to have Dan on sometime in the near future, hopefully, because he is one of the creators of, uh, of EOS. Yeah. So. What's so crazy about this though, Joel, which I love is that he created bit shares. Dan did. Then he created steam. And then now he's creating EOS. You know, he's taking the learnings uh, from, from those two prior successful uh, companies that he's built and is applying it to this, but then adding on top of it the magic of smart contracts and dApps. Pretty fascinating project. Now, didn't I hear somewhere that if you're holding EOS um, in a wallet that you would also get an airdrop for another token? I'm, I'm wondering if airdrops are really the future, you know, that because certain jurisdictions, especially the U.S., you can't participate in ICOs unless you are a quote-unquote qualified investor, airdrops might be the best way to get the word out about some of these tokens. Possibly, Mr. Jocom. Uh, we also have some other stuff in here that, that is interesting to chat about because we're two dudes chatting about things. So we're not chatting. We're, we're talking. talking. Yeah, we're talking. We're manly man talking about well, manly cryptos. Um, <clears throat> belch fart. Scratch. <laughs> uh, so there's another article on Crypto Daily in the UK. Millennials, turns out, they love the Bitcoins and they hate stocks. Who knew? You millennials, why are you hating on the stocks? Well, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, it's it's it, the stocks is kind of an old sort of a thing. And I think a lot of them were probably put off by the financial crisis of 2008. I mean, the stock market lost what, $14 trillion uh, during that time. So people aged 18 to 39 seem less willing to take a chance on that. And you know what? I know when that, when that, when that crash happened, I had been sort of expecting a crash to happen just because of how I understood how fiat currency worked. And I've always been waiting for the shoe to drop. And it's been actually not that helpful for me because I missed out on a lot of financial opportunities that I, and I knew I'm like, you know what? I should invest more in Apple. Like I actually uh, wrote in my son's journal when he was born in 2001, Apple was worth like $13 and they had just released the iMac with that half dome, half moon bottom base with the flat. Sc- I was like, Oh my God, that was like a couple of years before the iPod came out. And I was like, man, was Steve jobs back? This is great. And so I bought some and then um, I should have just kept on buying it. Cause that thing ended up uh, you know, getting to a $700 and then it did a seven split and now it's back up to almost $200. And that's like, I mean, that's seriously like investing $14 and it turning into, you know, a, you know, $1,500, right? Every time you could do that. If you go back in time, 
how often would you have done that? I would have done that a bunch, but I was always sort of waiting for that shoe to drop on the stock market. I was like, man, I saw the, I saw the tech stack, you know, this tech uh, bubble happen. And the, now the housing bubble happens and it's still, it's like the stock market to me seems really risky. Uh, whereas the crypto market doesn't seem that risky to me. I don't know. I, I guess I'm a millennial at heart, Mr. Joel uh, perhaps you are. By the way, the phrase waiting for the other shoe to drop was born in New York City. Did you know that? I, I did not know that. So what happened to the first shoe? Well, here, here's the uh, the story. This is it was born from noisy New York City neighbors. And here's a quote I found on this website. A common experience of tenement living and other similar style housing in New York City during the manufacturing boom of the late 19th and early 20th century. Apartments were built similar in design with one's bedroom under another's. Thus, it was normal to hear a neighbor removing shoes and hearing them hit the floor above. As one shoe made a sound hitting the floor, the expectation for the other shoe to make a similar sound was created and that's waiting for the other uh shoe to drop little bit of non-crypto trivia for you but you know what this is exactly what it's like when joel and travis are having to do talking conversations i kind of feel like i need to drop this link into the show notes because you never know what you're going to get you might want to drop the other link in there too which one never mind oh <laughs> i see what you did there um <laughs> speaking of other shoes dropping i'm actually going to forward to this story i see here in our notes because the other shoe has dropped on jp morgan chase jamie diamond's shoes are dropping all over the place i mean first the dude says that cryptocurrency is a fraud and causes havoc really i mean he kind of some days he made the market move usually down and now JP Morgan Chase has released a Bitcoin Bible for investors. Uh, and this little flip flop has happened in less than five months time. Yeah. Now it was really interesting to pay attention to, you know, they call it a fraud. It's a good way to launder money. And, uh, you know, and then JP Morgan Chase gets busted for being a fraud. Like that's what was like so funny, the irony of it. And uh, so they had some, some challenges of their own or they were laundering money or something. There was some crazy stuff going down. And now they said, Oh, blockchain is real. And Oh, by the way, here's the Bitcoin Bible for all your investors out there. And it's a 71 page uh, document that was released. Uh, I guess technically, I guess it was released yesterday or like last week. I've not read the full document. I've scanned through it, but uh, pretty interesting to pay attention to that. And over the past week, though, you know, crypto has had some pretty nice growth. It was like 400 million last week. Now it's over 500 million again, Mr. Jolcom. Billion. Ba ba ba. It's hard to say. Billion. Well, apparently this pdf was only available through the jp morgan investor portal but you know as the internet would have it somebody downloaded it and it's been uploaded to bitcoinhungary.hu uh, as a pdf and we will link to it in the show notes not sure you know if um, it's gonna last there or not but it does have the full pdf and if anybody wants to go through this and read what uh, the J.P. Morgan folks have to say about it, it looks to be really comprehensive and uh, well put together. Yep, 71 pages. That's it. And um, thank you uh, to Tateo Jagger, who was the one who uh, uploaded it. <laughs> we, we, we love Very those nice. Hungarians. So, uh, so thanks for that. 
Here's another piece of information that uh, has happened just this last week. There's been a Litecoin fork. You know, we referenced that uh, Charlie Lee said it's a scam, Litecoin Cash, and um, they're changing the hash mechanism, I guess, on it. It's supposed to be even faster than Litecoin. Don't know if that's accurate or not and can't say whether or not it's a scam. But apparently anybody who was holding Litecoin in a wallet, not necessarily on an exchange, um, at the time of the, the block where the fork happened, was to receive 10 Litecoin cash. And that, my friend, has driven the, the Litecoin price. Um, as of now, we're actually recording just a few days before this episode will air. Litecoin is at $251, and the fork has occurred. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's interesting about that is that for me, I have my Litecoin in a vault on Coinbase. So I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get any of that because I didn't have it in my, I did not move. I don't have a whole lot of Litecoin, but I just had that in the vault there. And um, I guess I could have moved it over to a different one, but I don't know how I will actually claim that because we know how long it took Bitcoin Cash, Bcash to uh, to get on Coinbase and that whole deal. So right. who knows? Well, the official website for it is Litecoin ca.sh so litecoin cash with the des- with a period in between the ca and sh and it tells you what it's all about and allows you to check your balance so if you put your public litecoin address not your private one in there and click check lcc balance it will tell you and i did it I, and i did you know i don't have a lot of litecoin but what i have it showed me that my lcc is waiting for me with 10 lcc for each one Litecoin that I have in that wallet. But in order to get it, you have to transfer to one of their wallets, right? Because you can't, like mine is on a Ledger Nano or Trezor or somewhere. You can't get it there on the Ledger Trezor. So you have to download a wallet and they have a Windows wallet, Linux, Mac, um, and you can view their source code on, on source code on GitHub. So I guess that's how you, you know, people who know code can tell you if there was some sort of Trojan, you know, in there, if there was a scam. And when you mm-hmm. transfer to, to their wallet, then you're able to get your Litecoin cash fork. Um, and it, the only place it's trading right now is on Yobit. And I've read that it was trading for as much as $9 or so. So that means if you have one Litecoin, which is currently $250, that means you would get 10 Litecoin cash. And if they're trading for about $9, that's $90 in free money right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what? That's interesting to to take a look at. I don't know if I necessarily want to upload my Litecoin into a mm, centralized wallet that may or may not be safe. I know Charlie Lee said it was a scam. So who knows? I'm not moving mine over, and I certainly don't recommend. I mean, some people have done it, but what's the guarantee that your Litecoin will still be there? You know, what What if, what if, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, it's unlikely, but what if a big story came out that said, you know, a billion dollars in Litecoin have been taken by this scam, and we warned you, right? Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess it's possible, um, they, you know, if the website says there's protection, but of course you would say that if you were going to take somebody's money. Again, I have no reason to believe that that's actually the case here. Um, it, but I'm going to wait for a while 
And if Litecoin Cash goes down, all right. And if it goes up, all right. But I would rather make sure that my cryptos are safe than down one of their wallets. Mm-hmm. So you know, I want to go back to that whole JP Morgan thing just for a moment. I know we just chat about Litecoin and whatnot, but because we can't um, get enough of Jamie Dimon. Well, it's not it's not only that, but whenever the day that they released that report, the New York Federal Reserve Bank they admitted that um, in a dystopian world, Bitcoin would dominate payment methods. And there's this really fascinating article on Zero Hedge uh, that talks about this. And there were some conversations with a New York Fed economist, Michael Lee and Antoine Martin, and uh, it, they've republished it here below. Uh, but it's, it's, it's completely interesting to read because they think that, you know, they're stuck so much in the fiat currency world that they think people trust fiat currency. And they said, oh, well, if we live in a world without trust, Bitcoin might dominate existing payment methods. Well, you know what? We don't trust fiat currency. We, I haven't trusted them since I learned fiat currency existed and that it was just created out of thin air. And uh, so, you know, th- that's why cryptocurrency is, is so fascinating to me is that we don't have to have trust because trust is built into the system. And the blockchain, specifically the Bitcoin blockchain, that is the only publication worldwide that is indisputable. Like, it doesn't matter what religion you are, what race you are, what country you're in. You know, you see the blockchain. Everybody sees the same copy of the blockchain. You don't argue about it if it's correct or if it's not, because we know that it's correct. And so it's the be- that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, blockchain is one of the best inventions potentially ever for civilization. And at least as it stands out. But speaking of the blockchain, uh, there's an article in Coindesk that says, in 10 years, we won't have blockchains. Dun, dun, dun. Is that because we'll be all dystopian? I don't want to be. In a world without blockchain. Well, that's because it will keep evolving, right? I mean, it already is evolving. It's not just blockchain. Now it's blockchain with, with dApps and blockchain with side chains and multi chains and, and off the chain. And, um, and pretty you know, soon Hashgraph, right? There, there are those, you know, we've talked about this in the past. There are those that believe that Hashgraph technology will replace blockchain technology. And that's uh, well, potentially, right? That's one. That, and there's also the tangle, which is in IOTA. But I mean, within 10 years and. You know, some people have said within two years, three years, five years, quantum computing is going to change the game. So there's going to be new advancements on this. It's going to have similar aspects of what blockchain is, but I mean, quantum computing is not that far away. And, you know, a lot of those, uh, a lot of the, the 256 encrypted hash can be cracked pretty quickly with quantum computing once that thing rolls out. So they'll just evolve and these cryptos will take on new security measures and uh, we'll keep on trucking down the road would be my thoughts on that. But, you know, here's the thing. The best technology doesn't always win because like, do you remember that time that that Betamax tape beat VHS? I do. I do recall that. I actually never had a Betamax. I had a friend of mine who had a Betamax. Well, it, it didn't happen. And Beta uh, was better. A Betamax was mm-hmm. was superior technology. Um, in terms of the resolution and storage, uh, there was just Sony in the, the compactness of the tapes. Sony actually had better technology, but it was centralized. It was all, you know, Sony had it. VHS was more like, I think it was more like an open source where you had a lot of different companies that were using it. And VHS tapes won over the Betamax. Yeah, VHS tapes are so large, Mr. Joel Com. It's like the size, it's like the size of a book. You know, and then you always have to rewind it. And oh, only my gosh, that was some serious first world problems. You know, you're only you know, 
I was not, I was not always kind. I actually still owe um, my local blockbuster uh, some fees, but they're not going to get it. It's a business. Nah, <laughs> I outlasted them. <laughs> well, we are just two dudes talking crypto. Play the end music now. Two dudes talking crypto. Thanks yeah. for uh, joining us for our discussion today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please do take a moment to let us know. Write us at badcryptopodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us any of the other multitudinous other ways that are you snapping your fingers? Snap my fingers, man. I'm two singing dudes, two dudes talking crypto in my head. <laughs> I might have a mental issue. <laughs> one of them's telling you to buy, the other one's telling you to sell. Uh, well, tell yes. us what you think and reach out to us and please take a moment to review the two dudes talking crypto on iTunes or uh, Stitcher or anywhere that you're hearing the show. Unfortunately, there's some places that you can't do it, like Spotify doesn't let you review. I don't think uh, TuneIn lets you review, but you know, if you can do it, we appreciate it. Do it on Apple because guess what? If you don't leave a review and say nice things about us, maybe there won't be any more two dudes talking crypto. How do you like them apples? And then you won't be able to stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Oh, somehow I got muted. All right. I did that whole teaser being muted. <laughs> okay, here we go. And welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. We are the two dudes. I'm Joel Com. He's Travis Wright. Hello, dude, Travis. Okay, now you're muted. <laughs> nice. Who's bad?